This is what you find with most of the cases where there's contradictions. People end up trying to manufacture a contradiction. Much of the contradictions can be solved just by looking at context. Welcome to the Think Podcast, the show that helps you lead your family in defending the Christian message. It's the ThinkPod 12 Days of Christmas, 12 current cultural challenges answered with timeless biblical truth by me and some of my friends. For more content like this, be sure to follow all our guest hosts and join the Think Squad group on Facebook, Gab, and Signal. So Merry Christmas from the Think Institute and Happy 2022. Are there parts of the Bible that make a truth claim only to then have that claim refuted by another part of the Bible? If so, this amounts to a contradiction. Both statements can't be true in the same way at the same time, and this would pose a major problem for Christianity and for Christians because the Bible is supposed to be a cohesive whole that doesn't contradict itself. It's supposed to be God-breathed, and God can't contradict himself. That's tantamount to lying. Hi, I'm Joel Sedekes, and I'm the founder and lead teacher of the Think Institute. And this challenge that the Bible supposedly has contradictions is one that I've come across quite a lot in my work as a Christian apologist. And odds are you've probably encountered it yourself, whether from some atheist on the internet or an inquisitive coworker or a skeptical uncle or even from your own kids. So did you know how to respond? Or if you haven't gotten this objection yet, or even if you're just wondering about it yourself, how would you respond? Does the Bible have contradictions? Can you answer that? Well, in this episode, Pastor Andrew Rappaport returns as guest host to answer the question for us. Andrew Rappaport is the preaching pastor of Grace and Truth Bible Church in Bucks County, PA, and the founder and executive director of Striving for Eternity Ministries and the Christian Podcast Community. He's the host of several podcasts and the author of multiple books. And this is his second 12 Days of Christmas episode here on the ThinkPod. So without any further ado, here is Pastor Andrew Rappaport answering the question, does the Bible have contradictions? Well, welcome to day 11 of the 12 Days of Christmas from the Think podcast. Uh, Today, we're going to address the question of contradictions. Are there contradictions in the Bible? Many people try to say there are. We will end up seeing that many things that people claim as a contradiction is got very easy answers. Are there things that are contradictions? Well, First, let's see what it defines a contradiction. A contradiction would be something where you have a situation that is described one way or something that's defined and in one account in the Bible, and then in another account, it says something that is contrary or opposite to what was stated. In other words, if you had someone that said, Jesus healed 10 lepers, in one of the Gospels. And in another of the Gospels, it says Jesus healed one leper. Is that a contradiction? It seems like a contradiction. But when we look at things, we have to evaluate, are the authors giving us the full story? For example, did Jesus heal 10 lepers? Yes, he did. One of those 10 came back. Now, 
the fact that one author focuses in on one of the ten, and another author focuses on ten, does not mean there's a contradiction. In fact, that actually is what you'd expect in good eyewitness testimony. One of the things you end up finding with eyewitness testimony, when people are going to give eyewitness testimony, say three people see an event, one of the first things they're going to try to do, if you want to get to what happened, is separate those three people so that they do not share stories. Because if they start sharing stories, they start collaborating on things, people start remembering things different the way someone else might, or they may say something that the other person said, even some maybe that they didn't see. So one of the first things people want to do with witnesses is separate them. After they're separated, what people would want to do is start getting their testimony, their side of the story. Any eyewitness testimony, what you're going to find is that some people are going to give you an account from their perspective, and the other people are going to give you an account from their perspective. Those accounts, even though they could be eyewitnesses to the same event, are going to have two different points of view. For example, you, you have someone that, that sees something, maybe say, say something happens to someone's wife. Now, the, there could be events going on. Say, say there was a car accident and the husband witnessed his wife get in a car accident. And there were other people there that don't know this man's wife or the other person in the car. Well, the husband is going to, in his account, focus on his wife and what happened with that car. May not notice any of the other events around. Why? Because he's got a relation with his wife. So he's going to zone in, focus in on, on specific things. Where other people don't know anybody, they're not going to have that. This is one thing that can affect eyewitness testimony. Now, as we look, most of the claims that there's contradictions in the Bible occur in the gospel accounts. And the reason you end up seeing that most often is because of the fact that you have four different men, four different perspectives, four different purposes in writing. Matthew is trying to write for the purpose of saying that Jesus Christ is king. He's the Davidic king. He's going to be writing to mostly a Jewish audience that's looking for that, looking for the kingdom. And so, he's going to have a perspective that's going to be more Jewish in nature. He's going to have a perspective that is focused on things that, that point to the kingship of Jesus. Where Mark is going to focus in on Jesus as a servant. And so he's going to focus not on him being a king, but he's going to be looking at the events to lay them out and how it shows Jesus is humble. Where Luke then comes along and he's going to be looking at Jesus is a man. He's going to focus on the humanity of Jesus. And John comes along and focuses on the deity of Jesus. So each one of the four gospel writers have a different perspective. So when you have an account where sometimes one account may refer to two blind men, one occur to refer to one blind man, it doesn't mean there are differences. 
It means that what you have is one author focusing on two blind men and another author that's only focused on the conversation with one of the two. The fact that he doesn't mention two of them doesn't mean there weren't two of them. It means that you had one author that was focused on the, the two, one focused on the one because there was conversation there. This is what you find with most of the cases where there's contradictions. People end up trying to manufacture a contradiction. Much of the contradictions can be solved just by looking at context. For example, you could look at the account at just before Jesus' death, and there's accounts in Mark and Matthew and John about a woman who takes a very expensive oil and pours it on Jesus. And in doing so, she pours it and he, the disciples get upset and say this was very expensive, could have been used for the poor, and you end up seeing Jesus saying, leave her alone, she did this for my burial. And in all the accounts, they, they mention that it was in Bethany. However, there's some things they mention different. Because in John's account, it's six days before the Passover, and it's Martha who's, who is the one serving, and it mentions Lazarus is reclining, which leads us to believe it's Lazarus's house. But it's six days before Passover. Where Matthew and Mark mention it's two days before Passover. And it clearly says it's at Simon the leper's house. Now, could it be that they're at Simon the leper's house and Mary is serving and Lazarus is there reclining? It could. Is this a contradiction? Because it said one account or two of the accounts say that it was two days before Passover and one says six days before Passover. Well, this is a case where simple reading of context helps. If you read in John's account, right after that passage, the very next thing tells us he enters into Jerusalem the day we would call Palm Sunday. Well, that would be six days before the Passover. The other accounts, two days before. How do we know that? Because he already had Palm Sunday. He already came into the the into Jerusalem and already had conversations with the Pharisees. So these are two different accounts that are similar. There's a lot of similarity, but there's also differences. Difference in, in which house, maybe differences that we see in uh, one. It's the oils poured on his feet, where one is poured on his head. One has an unnamed woman. One then marries the one who does it. So, the fact that there's differences, you, you, people will say, see, there's so many similarities, that means there's a contradiction. Reading the context will often help. It's a very simple thing to do, just keep reading. And sometimes these things clarify themselves. You don't have to worry about saying, is this a contradiction? No, these are two completely separate events that have a lot of similarity in them. People often make the same mistake when you have Jesus telling an illustration, and they will see the illustration used one time and a second time, and, they, and the events are different. Well, I'm sure that Jesus was very much 
like you and I, that he would use some of the same illustrations, same stories, explain things the same way. And so he would have that very same behavior. And in having that same behavior, what would happen is you would have similarities in accounts, even though they'd be two different events. Now, there are some things that we would say where there's are contradictions. Any of these contradictions affect anything of theology? No. But you can look in the books of Chronicles and Kings and Samuel, and you'll see some things. For example, there's one account, speaking of Solomon, where it numbers his chariots and his footmen, his, his soldiers. And in one account, it has the numbers... I forget the numbers, but it's, I think, like, say, 12,000 chariots and 6,000 men on, on foot. And in the other account, it says 6,000 chariots and 12,000 men on foot. Well, those can't be, he's, they're speaking of the same event. <clears throat> now, speak, if it's speaking of the same event and being used in the same way, and they disagree, that would be a contradiction. And so what you end up with is, in this case, it's what we would call a textual variant. Go back to day five if you need to understand more about that. But this is a case where someone was writing, the, copying the scripture, and in the copying of scripture, they made an error. They wrote the wrong number. The problem is, is we don't know which is the right number for for those. So what the those who've copied it continued to do was to continue to propagate what they had because all the manuscripts they had at the time had that. And so they weren't sure which one's the right number for which. Does that affect any any theology, any doctrine? No, it doesn't. And that's the important thing with it is to recognize that none of this affects doctrine. So you do have times in the Bible where there, there are things that are contradictions, but not from the original. Those contradictions that do occur <clears throat> have occurred because of copyists making a mistake when they made a copy and wrote things down. Flipping numbers. There's not many like that in the scriptures. You don't have a lot of those. But those that many people argue, I remember seeing a website uh, with a hundred contradictions or 101 contradictions in the Bible and many, many years ago. <clears throat> and I remember going through the website and every one of them was easily answered by doing just one of a few things. One, read the context. Two, if it's not something that's in the context, look to see if there's textual variances. Three, Look at the what the wording is and see if it gives absolute statements. In other words, the difference would be if the author said there were only two blind men and another author says there was only one blind man at the same exact event. That would be a contradiction. But the fact that one says there were two blind men and one says a blind man, well, that doesn't mean there weren't two. So you have to ask, is the author giving absolutes? Is, is he making it a statement that there can't be any other ways of explaining it? So this is what you end up looking at when we do these things. And as we look at those simple principles, you will find most of the things 
get answered. In fact, when I would go into New York City, as I would used to do weekly at Union Square to do open-air evangelism, I would stand up and people would give me challenges. Literally, all I did was read the context. They'd say, there's a contradiction, and they'd give me two passages, and all I would do is back up and read before and after, read all the context, and most of the times, that solves the problem. It's as simple as that. Most people don't look to do that because they're looking just for verses. Remember, the Bible didn't have chapter breaks and verse, verse numbers in its original writing. So they weren't there to have those divisions. The Bible wasn't meant to be read that way. It was meant to be read as a book, as a letter. And so that's the way we read it. So we must read within the context. That is the number one way people claim that, claim that there's contradictions. That's the number one way to solve it. Just read the context. The, the reality is there's going to be people that try to argue that we cannot know what the Bible actually says. We can't know what it actually means because there's contradictions. The challenge is to find some. The thinking that people have is people will claim there's many, and, and there's a lot of believers who worry they don't want to go evangelize because someone's going to throw a, a contradiction, you know, that the Bible has contradictions. They're going to challenge them with this. Here's a simple thing you could do if you're worried about that. Let them give you the contradiction. I have had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times that people have made the claim that the Bible is full of contradictions. And my response has always been, can you name one? Do you know that only a handful of times have people actually been able to give me one? Most of the time, they say, there's so many. Well, if there's so many, you should be able to name one. And yet, they can't seem to do that. The reality is, there are not many contradictions. Most of them are textual variances that we would have. There's some that people think are, and that's what the majority of them are. People claim their, their contradictions, but they aren't. Those that are a contradiction that we see are often nothing more than a textual variant that we don't ha can't get back to the original to know what, what the number should be, for example. And therefore, we don't know what to do with that. that we, we record what we have. Now, that says, or the, the way people claim it is, that because there may be some contradictions, does that mean we throw the whole Bible out? We can't trust it at all. Well, there's no areas where there's contradictions, as I said, in doctrine. None. Not one. It's, it's a thing of an age of a king. He, he, he was served, you know, served for 40 years or 42 years. Which one's right? Don't know. Does it matter? Not really. There's no doctrine based on the age of the king. There's no doctrine based on the, the number of chariots of, of Solomon. These things that we have are textual variances that we don't know which one's correct, but it doesn't affect the teaching of the Bible. The, the reality is, when people give you this challenge, they usually give you this challenge and they are not educated themselves in the Bible. In fact, 
often what I've, when I've challenged people who tell me this, that the Bible's full of contradictions, and I ask them to give me one, a number of times I've had people admit they've never read the Bible. Now, if you get someone that says that, you can have fun and say, well, that's not very scientific of you to judge something without looking at any of the evidence, because they like to claim they have the science, right? The reality is many of the contradictions are solved in very simple steps. Do not be overwhelmed if someone says the Bible's filled with contradictions. It's not. In fact, there's only a few of them. They don't affect doctrine. They mostly have to do with numbers. Numbers of the horse and chariots, numbers of the age of a king, things like that. Nothing that affects doctrine. So, the reality is, the challenges that people give are challenges because they don't want to be accountable to God. Don't let them off the hook. Don't shy away from arguments that they make. The reality, the Bible isn't full of contradictions. It's an original writing. It had no contradictions. But they make the challenge. All you got to do is ask questions. The reality is that as we come to the close of these 12 days, 12 challenges with the Think Podcast, I hope that you've been challenged yourself that you can get out there and answer these challenges. Many of them, as you've already heard, have very simple responses. You don't have to have a whole lot of study. And I, I want you to realize you are a Christian ambassador. You are one who should be thinking about the Bible and giving answers to those who do offer challenges. Okay, that about wraps it up for this episode. The Think Podcast is a production of the Think Institute and is produced by yours truly, Joel Sedecase. The Think Institute operates under Church Movements, a ministry of crew under the division of Crew City. To learn about how to support the Think Institute and my family tax-free, go to thethink.institute/partner. I hope you heard something helpful today. I know I did. Remember, this is not goodbye. This has just been a short stop on the journey as we learn to lead our families in defending the Christian message. And we'll see you next time. Until then, I hope it made you think. Music